Alright, everybody, I think we are recording here. This is uh, Slip Angle Show, what is this, number five? Um, man, it uh, feels like uh, only four. <laughs> uh, today we uh, we have a special guest, a, a guy that I seem to run in a lot of, of the same internet circles and real-life circles with. Um, he is from Connecticut. I have held 17,000 of his cash dollars at one time. Uh, he's got a lot of stories, and uh, his name is Greg Ami. He is a uh, SCCA national racer. He's on the SCCA STL rule, STAC rules committee with me. Uh, he races a Honda Integra, Acura Integra, whatever you call it, um, in STL, the same class I do. And he's a uh, he's an interesting dude. He's been racing longer than many of uh, our, our listeners and track day buddies have probably even been alive. So, but, uh, <laughs> uh, Greg, where uh, you're in Connecticut? What town are you in? I am. I'm in Middletown, Connecticut, which is surprisingly right in the middle of the state. Yeah, go to go to Hartford, town. go south, and you're there. And th- you know, thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate you inviting me around. Yeah, how far from uh, like Lime Rock and uh, Thompson? Are Lime Rock is an uh, hour and fifteen. Thompson's about an hour and twenty. And uh, we're gonna, we've got a new Palmer track coming out. That's going to be about Palmer's going to be an epic track. Looking forward to that one. That's about an hour, hour and fifteen, hour and twenty. And yeah, I'm when also is blessed Palmer with gonna uh, Palmer's going to uh, Palmer's already online right now. Palmer is being uh, yeah. run. They're doing track days, and I believe there is that's one group that's already done a motorsports event. SCCA is going to be there in August and September. Oh wow, cool! It uh, it's a that's a wild looking new track. Um, it is. I think it was well done. This this was a uh, this was a brainchild of the New England region. Something we've been doing for well over a decade, and uh, it was our group that found the location and did most of the engineering. And we got to the point where we just needed cash, and we didn't have the cash, and we couldn't come up with uh, sugar daddy. So we ended up selling it to someone who did have the capital, and he has moved it forward. He's also a New England region member. Doing a great job, Fred Ferguson, and uh, we are just excited to have that. It, it's going to be a truly epic driver's track to come on. How, uh, how long is that track going to be? You know, I don't know the exact specifications on it. Uh, my only experience okay. with it is in November, after they had laid down the initial base asphalt, they invited uh, SCCA to come down and got to drive it in the GTI, the streetcar. And I could tell right away that this was going to be one of these tracks that we're all going to love. I watched some in car, and there's. Uh, it seems like there's a lot of elevation change and a lot of uh, stuff to avoid. But yeah, really cool, uh, really cool elevation changes. It's it's a track that drivers are going to do well because you really have to know where you are. There's there's turns that are decreasing radius that look like they're increasing, and vice versa. So there's a potential there for for damage. But uh, I think that once you get in there and you get some time on the track, you're just going to love it. Is there a, a lot of elevation change? There is. I don't oh, know. Exactly. Yeah, you should watch some. You should watch some video. Oh yeah, yeah. Go, go I'll have to. Cool I'll have to link that in the show notes too for people. You should. There's a guy, uh, a New England region member, uh, Jeff Wasilko. He's in a Spec Miata. Or I'm sorry, ITA Miata. He's got a lot of track time there, and he's posted a lot of in-car videos. Uh, check out what he's yeah, got. Yeah, I think I've watched some of his. Yep. Uh, I think I saw. I saw it linked on ImprovedTouring.com. Or exactly. Yeah. One of the other forums. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, well, Greg, how uh, how long have you been racing with? You've been racing mainly with SCCA, correct? Almost almost exclusively with SCCA. I've done a few NASA events. I used to enjoy doing uh, NASA Hyperfest when it was at Summit Point. But I've been racing since I think I think I went through my driver's school in '85. Okay. Um, been racing ever since. What's Started in autocross before that. What kind of cars have you played with? 
Oh, race cars? Uh, my very first race car was a Volkswagen Dasher four-door that I had gotten. I don't I was, even know what that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what is that? <laughs> it, it, you could go look it up, but it's, uh, it's the predecessor to the VW Fox. It's a longitudinal drivetrain, front-wheel drive. Uh, still is four-cylinder. I think it was a 1.6, and it was a four-door, uh, not a notchback, but a slant back. And it was just one of those little family cars from the 70s. And I was working for a Volkswagen Porsche Audi dealership, and it's one of those cars that popped in the used car lot, and I got it. And when I got turned on to SCCA, it became my autocross car. Cool. So the cool. very first autocross was at the old Greater Southwest Airport, which doesn't exist anymore, just south of Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. If you... Uh, Break out Google Earth and find DFW and go south of Interstate 20, I think it is. You'll see vestiges of an old airport there, which was the predecessor. And we used to autocross there. And that, was, that had to have been that had to have been 84. And then from there, I went into a uh, – I, I got talked into a – no, before I – right after the Dasher, I wrecked the Dasher. That's right. I got into a head-on collision near Texas World Speedway as we were going to work. I was uh, doing FNC. I was national FNC. And we were going to a race, and late at night, somebody in the Thunderbird was drunk and took us out. So, oh, so then I replaced it with my dream car, which was a 1983 Revit GTI. And that, became, that became my <laughs> very hope. first race car. That GTI had a bolt-in auto power cage thrown into it. And I went out there, and I actually raced before I did my first driver's school. There was a group down in Texas called Texas International Drivers Association that was a roundy round track, and they used to rent Texas World Speedway for a weekend. So I actually that track's a lot of fun. Oh, Sorry to interrupt place. you. No, no, that's fine. I was there Memorial Day weekend because it's going away, and I found a mm-hmm. buddy with a neon, and I went down there and raced it. I just absolutely love that track. Uh, you had a few problems with that uh, rental neon, didn't you? I did. Um, I mean, a great friend of mine, uh, but. The car had been sitting for a while, and there were some minor problems. You know, it's you know one of these things. I went down there primarily to drive that track before she went away. Yeah. I had to have her one more time, and that was and I needed some points for the major series, so it worked out great. Yeah, that uh, I've I'll obviously probably never drive there unless it stays open for another year or two. But yeah, it really, really looks like a cool place. I would it's encourage awesome. people to go there because it's one of those tracks that you look at the layout, and you don't think much of it. But when you go out there and you enjoy those vast sweeping corners, that it's one of these tracks where you go through a corner and you're, you're screaming, and you come out and you go, "I could have done that faster." Yeah, that's that's actually the track that I did my second track day ever on. So yeah. turning in for turn one off the the front straight, and then is it turn seven as you go up and you crest the hill, little looking at the water tower? Mm-hmm. That turn, I didn't realize that you could take that that fast. It oh, was it's, it's it was incredible. just insane, especially for my second time. You know, I rode with an instructor, and it was just mine was blown. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's a very fun track. So in the, I've also had a B modified Formula Ford that I did uh, autocross with. It was a it was a '69 Merlin Mark 11A, one of those vintage cars that I wish I had back. Decided that I really did not want to go open wheeled wheel wheel to wheel open wheeled racing because I was a crazy son of a bitch back then. And uh, then they did the GTI. I wrecked the GTI in my third driver's school at Hallett Motor oh. Speedway. I had an instructor who I found out later was kidding when he said you could do turn one flat out. Well, maybe you can do it in an H prod Sprite, which is what he drove, but you can't do it in a Revit GTI. So I'm sitting there. I hit the wall outside of turn one. Car went upside down in the air and landed on the roof. And I'm standing there looking at my street car, by the way, since I drove it there, draining all yeah. its vital fluids. And uh, some guy standing next to me, and I look over at him, and I nod at him, you know. And he looks at me, and he says, you know what? No matter how far back I move that wall, you son of a bitch, you still hit it. <laughs> and it was the only <laughs> <of the track. laughs> 
Oh, you know, and, and, and after that, I got into ITA and a Dodge Shelby Charger non-turbo. Then I went into a Shelby CSX and Shroom Stock A. Then I did Shroom Stock B in an NX2000 and then IT in NX2000 and two Integras. The first one comprehensively disassembled at Watkins Glen. Didn't you have a Suzuki Swift also? Yeah, I did. I forgot about that. When I dis when I disassembled that first Integra at Watkins Glen, we didn't have a car for a year, so I just happened to come across an ITB Suzuki Swift, and it was cheap. It was like three grand or something like that. So my partner and I, Jeremy Bellell, um, bought the damn thing. It was a hoot. It is the only front-wheel yeah, drive car. It had a welded diff, and it was the only front-wheel drive car I've ever driven that had power on oversteer. <laughs> <laughs> But unfortunately, its its geometry was such that its roll centers were so low that you barely hit a curb. And you know how when you hit a curb and the car pops up, slows down, it comes back down? Yeah. This one didn't slow down. It kept going. And yeah. there were a couple of times when I went through a corner, tapped a curb, and the corner workers were already waving the yellow flag because they, they thought I was yeah, going over. Yeah, because they thought you were rolling it, huh? And I figured it was better just to get rid of that poor thing before I hurt myself. <laughs> like how, how long would it carry the inside wheels up in the air? How long would you stay? I don't know up? what my record is, but I, you know, it felt like a mile. But uh, yeah, I bet. <laughs> I, I'm just guessing, you know, fifty, sixty feet, seventy feet. And where, to where <laughs> if I you just would have stayed it. with it, you could have been, you could have been a stunt driver. I could have been Joey yeah. Chitwood. <laughs> yeah, Jim. but it got to the point where I had to decide: okay, do I go right to drive off the track and bring the wheels down, or do do I go left and make the track? And uh, it's, no, I said, you know what? I think we're done with this thing. Yeah. And Todd's. <laughs> you know, your current Integra, you just injured a little bit. How bad is I did. It? I partially disassembled the car. Also, again, at Watkins yeah. Glen, I got into a little contretemps with a... Uh, that was at the Majors, what, two weeks ago? Two weekends ago, yeah. I, was, I got a yeah. little, uh, little issue with passing a slower traffic car and... Myself and another another Integra competitor, and we tried to split them, and he hit the other guy, and they came across and hit me across the nose, bent the front end a bit, but I brought it to a frame shop. We'll see what happens. It's not nearly as bad as the one from 2007. This one, the, uh, this one, I think, think is repairable. The drivetrain wasn't wasn't injured or anything. I don't think so. I think I think I got lucky on that one. I think that it just uh, maybe damaged some inner fenders and stuff like that. We should have it. Working in the uh, collision industry, I can tell you that nearly everything can be saved. It's just a matter of cost. Well, good. Well, come on down. i got plenty of beer. Bring your hammers, and we'll get that thing all knocked out. We can do it the uh, the southern way. We'll just hook it up to a chain it, to a tree and just uh, put it in reverse, and, you know, well, you that know, usually works that, pretty well. You know, I've got a story about that one. <laughs> I've got a story about those, too. It's all about the story, my friends. The uh, we we used to have a forklift that we parked at our shop uh, before we had our own building for work, and uh, my, I think my brother probably put, he probably straightened six or eight frames with the tree in the backyard and the <laughs> forklift. The forklift's got such nice big dead weight to it, you know. You just put it in first and then bump the car slowly, slowly. <laughs> and uh, at one time I came home from work and he's overheating the forklift. He wasn't paying attention. Because he wasn't moving anywhere, <laughs> just trying to bump the civic frame straight. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, uh, that, that's a good method. Well, mine was a spec Miata that I had rented at Lime Rock from Flat Out. This is back in the early days of Flat Out, and the very early days of spec Miata, I was trying it out, and I got into a collision. Surprise, surprise, in spec Miata. But it was a double race day, and we had all of about twenty minutes to get that car back on track. And my buddy Matt Kessler. 
drove the car up to a tree because it needed to get pushed back, I think, and he hammered it into the tree, driving it into the tree three or four times with spectators wondering what the <laughs> hell was going on. Then connected it to the oh. truck and backed it out a little bit to get it straightened out, <laughs> slammed the hood back oh down, tied it, tied the hood down with the pins and some bungee cords, and I went back out. And we made Sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a rental. Don't worry about now it. I had to bring the car back to my buddy who rents these things out. I had to bring it back to him hat in hand. I was like, sorry, dude. <laughs> Let me know how much when, it costs. Uh, I, I've always wondered with uh, with a company like Flat Out or whatever, uh, how does how does uh, like do you go about fixing it, or do they just give you a flat cost, or they? It really send depends. You the bill it or? depends on the contract. When I rent or share cars with friends, even with friends, yeah. we have a written agreement. Uh, even with my my good buddy Kirk Nestis, who I've been racing enduros for over a decade, he and I have a written agreement. Part of our agreement is that I have the opportunity to fix it at my own expense. But companies like Flat Out, I I think. I don't know. I've never rented from them in recent times. I know that they offer insurance. You can buy insurance as part of your deal. But I wow. think that they're probably going to have it repaired by their shop to their standards, and you're just going to have to reimburse yeah. them for that. Yeah. It all depends. It depends on who you rent from and what kind of deal you get. Yeah, the uh, the rental costs seem to have gone up quite a bit uh, for major stuff in the last few years. But... Uh, yeah, I can't imagine the cost of wrecking a top shelf st- uh, spec Miata from Flat Out nowadays. They build some beautiful cars now. Oh, there, there are spec Miatas being sold for sixty thousand dollars right now. Unbelievable, man! My dog is next to the desk here, scratching through the carpet. I think she's hearing fireworks again. It's about a week later. I was wondering if you guys are, are, are hammering out a spec Miata or something back over there. No, no, the dog is trying to dig into the garage because she's no. hearing fireworks or something. She's had a long couple of weeks. I think uh, she had a nice bath today, and she does not approve of baths. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Sarah filled a garbage can with 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 hair. It was uh, it's been a long day for Callie. <laughs> Now, Greg, I was. Oh, sorry. Anyway, there you go ahead, Austin. Sorry. Oh, I was just. Uh, I was saying, and reading over your resume, Greg, it looks like uh, you kind of jumped straight from autocross straight into club racing. Uh, I did. Were there was there I, not a lot of like opportunities for for you know tracky organizations and stuff like that back oh, then? Oh no, no. Back in the eighties. Uh, well, I, I was in Texas. I lived in Texas at the time. Okay. First of all, we had a dearth of tracks to begin with. All we had out in Texas back then was Texas World Speedway and Hallett Motor Speedway. Okay. No, there was nothing in the Dallas or Houston area. Sometimes we had the Corpus Christi Naval Base. But even that said, there were no such things as, as that I can recall as HPDEs or track days or anything like that. The only way you can get on the track yeah. back then was to don a driving suit and go to an SCCA driving school. There was no NASA. There was no COM SCC like you have up here. Uh, you just didn't have that. So autocross, I had always intended to go road racing. Uh, I got into the SCCA from a the father of a girl I was dating at the time who recognized that I was going to probably kill myself if I kept driving my, my Volkswagen Type 3 as I did. So uh, he got me into racing, got me into organized racing. And uh, I started doing autocross just to get some experience while I was also doing flagging and communications, the, you know, the guys in the white shirts. It was never, never. It was really never. I enjoyed doing that, but it was never a long-term plan. I, I didn't enjoy the sitting around of autocross, and I, I really wanted to do wheel-to-wheel competition. So I, I, you know, prepped the Rabbit GTI, which, by the way, was my tow vehicle for the uh, Formula Ford. Um, <laughs> and I, and I went, went to the track, and I went, and I went through my SCCA schools and started racing. 
and that was just really the only way back then you can get on the track. We we talked in uh, I think the last episode about people driving to like the the runoffs and even like Pirelli World Challenge and stuff. You used to do that. Correct? Oh hell yeah! Oh yeah! Was, yeah. Uh, I did the runoffs from Texas '89 to '92, '91. '92 was from. Was that all at? Uh, was that at Road Atlanta then? That was Road Atlanta '89 to '92 when I did it was Road Atlanta '89 '90. <laughs> 89 and 90, I drove my Shelby CSX from Texas to Road Atlanta with the tires on the back. That's uh, awesome. 91, <laughs> 91, I had an Eagle Talon. That was a friend's car. That, the 91 year was the Eagle Talon year, so I borrowed his Eagle Talon. We trailered his Eagle Talon, but I drove the Shelby CSX or the runoffs as a backup in case we needed it. And yeah. 92, man, we had, we had an open trailer. I was styling. I mean... Yeah, that's big city living. <laughs> How yeah, much time did you the, drop the, when you when you started trailering to the track? Oh, it didn't make any difference. I told okay. you, I was a crazy son of a bitch. <laughs> you know what? You worry about getting home after the event. After? It, you know, <laughs> there are so many yeah. people heading westbound, I'm sure I can hitch a ride. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> I, I have a buddy, uh, Matt Johnston. He's a good buddy of all of our, uh, a lot of our Honda Meet guys. Um, he does video work nowadays professionally. Um, and he he was the Group Two National uh, Rally American National Champion in 2005, and I think about half of the events he drove to, in, you know, and rally racing, um, where you wreck a car pretty much every event somehow. <laughs> um, and, and and once he finally started borrowing trailers, uh, a tow dolly like wasn't enough because then it was you know uh, he needed an open trailer because it if. It usually a wreck something that rolls. Oh yeah. But he drove he drove back and forth from uh, rally events. But well, man, it's you know if the, uh, if the suspension stays on the car, you just need a big hammer so you can put a windshield back in. Or, yeah, that's <laughs> that's about it. Or a tree and a chain, right? There you go. So yeah, <laughs> comes back full circle. Get those skills to working. Besides your driver school, where you rolled your GTI, did you ever have uh, an issue that stranded you at the track much or no? I don't think I've ever. Stranded. No, I take that back. I had, a, I had an ITB Scirocco in there one time, and uh, it was a cheated-up car because men in Texas and improved touring in Texas back in those days was all cheated up. One guy had a had a Formula V, a Formula Super V engine in his GTI. Um, <laughs> and Ed, what was his name? Man, that man, that thing sounded great going down the straight at Texas World Speedway. And you look up and you see a rabbit. <laughs> um, I, I had an ITB Scirocco one time that I drove down and I hold a piston. So I had to borrow a ride. Uh, I had to borrow a trailer to get back. I drove his showroom stock car back to his house, and he trailered my Scirocco. But other than that, I can't think of any time I've ever gotten stuck at the track. Because pretty much in 92 is when I moved to Connecticut. And from then, I've almost always had a trailer. When I went back into IT in 2003, I drove the NX2000 from my house to Lime Rock, but that's an hour and 15. So worst case is I got to borrow a truck and trailer for a two-and-a-half-hour round trip. But ever since then, I've been ever since then I've been styling. I've had trucks and trailers, and you know, I, it's sometimes I just really wish that I could just jump in the car and drive it there just for all of it. Oh, me, me too. Sometimes you just get so sick of crawling around yeah. underneath of it, trying to strap it down. Well, but, what, what's really funny is that that 2003 event at Lime Rock it was a it was a spectator weekend. Uh, the OMP Challenge was the series I was going to run. First race back since '92. And I drove the car there with my wife following me in her brother's Woodside Dodge Caravan. And we're at registration. Some guy walks up to us and says, is that your car? I said, yeah. I said, you drove it here? Yeah. You're racing? <laughs> yeah. Man, this is going to make a great story. And he walks away. Turns out he was the track announcer. 
<laughs> so the, ra- the race format was a race and then a 15-minute or 5 or 10, 15-minute break in the in the pit lane and then another race. So I'm sitting here after the first race, and I did okay. It's, for, you know, it's been a while since I drove. And I'm sitting here, and I see him start to walk to me with a microphone, talking on the microphone. I went, oh, I have no idea what I'm going to say. And the car's off. We're all sitting there, and I can hear the wah, wah, wah on the loudspeakers. And he, and he says something. I got my helmet on. I got my balaclava on. And I get earplugs in. And I could see him talking to this microphone. And then he sticks the microphone in the car. And I started to give the, I'm glad to be here. Thank baby Jesus, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> And he goes, ah, that's great. He walks away. And I'm like, I have no idea what I just heard. But, <laughs> but you get attention by doing things out of the norm. Yeah, yeah, you do, man. The, uh, and speaking of tow vehicles for you, um, the uh, this, the quick little uh, intro I gave, I included that I had held 17000 or whatever of your dollars. You um, did. That was recently. Uh, Des- Greg bought a despite, uh, despite recommendations from your friends that I shouldn't trust you with the money. I did. Oh, I know, man. I I was really tempted to buy myself a new race car and move <laughs> and change my phone number. But uh, yeah, uh, Greg has uh, you had you had an excursion with what like three hundred thousand miles yeah, diesel excursion yeah, exactly. seven three. It was a seven. Yep. There's a two thousand yep. seven three with it could be crossed over three hundred thousand miles. Nice. And he and he just didn't trust it. And I said, come on. My dad's got one with like 610 or 8 or whatever it's got on it now. I mean, mine's got but, 310 uh, on it now. Yeah, Austin's got an F, what, 350? 250, yeah. yeah. 250, okay. Um, well, but, I wasn't uh, too yeah, worried great. about the miles as I was about the, the rust starting to creep up on yeah. the thing. Yeah, so you you were you spent like the better part of a year looking for a rust free excursion. I did. I just kept my I didn't need anything right away. I just kept my eyes open and it turned out that one popped up in Chicago. Yeah, one popped up pretty close to uh, to me, and my buddy went and go, went to look at it. Who's who used to be a, I mean, the partial owner of a used car dealership? He he checked it all out, and uh, and it really turned out it was very beautiful. I mean, this thing was physically it was about as nice as it gets. The guy hadn't driven it very much in the past few years, but uh, um, that was uh, an interesting transaction. Because uh, the guy was like kind of leery of internet scammers, because <laughs> like uh, Greg had sent some other guy to look at it and was t- <laughs> and was emailing this guy, and then they make a deal, and the guy what did he like he he said he googled and this is what it, yeah, <laughs> he said we, he googled we actually, like we spoke like, on the phone he seemed really nice yeah. we traded some emails and then the next morning he basically just cock blocked me he just shut down yeah. and he he, he, <laughs> he it just it's one of these you come you need to show up you need to show up in cash i'm not and i was like what in the hell happened the nigerian prince yeah, <laughs> yeah he, <laughs> and it turns out like what we what we were doing uh is kind of a scam nowadays and the, <laughs> the guy got all scared looking at the truck we had one guy yep. from uh, connecticut quote unquote trying to buy the truck we had another yep. guy who was going to show up with the money to pick up the yeah. car <laughs> Yeah, and, and then he wa- I was going to show up with a, with a check or whatever, a banker's check, and just grab it and park it in my building until Greg could come get it or whatever. And uh, but then he needed cash, so Greg wired me the money, and uh, and I said, "There ain't no way I'm leaving my bank's parking lot with 17k for a, like a low mileage 7.3 diesel excursion." Um, there ain't no way I'm leaving the bank parking lot with money that ain't mine. <laughs> yeah. So the guy shows up, and I hold the money for about 10 feet in the bank and uh, handed it to him right in front of the security guard. And, <laughs> and they signed was, the paperwork, uh, and then we had a truck. Yeah, it was interesting. Well, he did apologize I, I, later. He says, you know, I started reading up on Craigslist scams, and I got scared. 
Yeah, and, that, and that's Greg, Greg was like, I don't know what to do with this thing. I think I'm going to back out. And I think, and I said, I bet you he Googled uh, scams on Craigslist, and it turns out that's what he did. <laughs> so, so that was our recent uh, interaction. I met you at the runoffs a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. When you were running. Yep, uh, Road America. 2013 uh, at Road America. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was uh, uh, my our, our mutual buddy Tom Lamb mm-hmm. had uh, had built a CRX. Tom and I caged it, and then Tom put a B16 in it, and we got it running on his way to the runoffs. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> uh, he had qualified with his with his ITB car, uh, so Tom was running like a virtually untested car at the runoffs. Um, but uh, yeah, Tom goes to practice he had never really driven road america yet he goes to practice and it's just a jdm b16a swap in the crx um and his first lap or second lap uh he found out that um the car falls on its face at the top of you know some somewhere deep into fourth gear or whatever like it just stops for a split second and it turns out it's the 115 mile an hour jdm speed limiter on the ecu which is a problem at Road America. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, giant problem. So, uh, and that's like a car that you can't really tune without converting to OBD one. And he didn't. We didn't have all the stuff for that. And meanwhile, Greg is swapping motors in the mm-hmm. paddock as yeah. we're figuring this other stuff out. He sold his one point seven to a guy from California or something. Yeah, exactly. And which and led to another story. I think I saw pictures yeah. of that on Facebook because I think Lee oh, yeah. was. Didn't Lee oh, help yeah. you swap the motors? Oh, yeah, he did. And yeah. it was, the, the paddock was a disaster. That <laughs> <laughs> was a long couple days for you guys. You know, it was fun. I enjoyed the heck out of that because, you know, the guys hanging out, Tom helped, Lee helped. You know, we had a good time. We had two days. We had two days and nothing because it was, I think, the last day of qualifying was Thursday and it was raining and I was three seconds off the prior year's pace. And yeah. we looked at the back of the trailer and there was my old GSR 1.8. And. Yeah, you had gone to a 1.7 to to drop some weight, correct? I tried I tried the B17A1 to drop 120, 125 pounds off the car, but at Road America, that's right. not important. Yeah, you yeah. just didn't find the power. Power is important at, at Road America. Moment, at that moment, as we're sitting here going, ah, oh, we should put the 1.8 in. My buddy Tom Lepper from California walks up and he says, "I blew my 1.7." He had a 93 GSR, and he says, "I blew my 1.7 up." And I looked at my buddy Dick Patolo, and he looked at me, and Dick went, "Don't do it." <laughs> and I said, Tom, you want a 1.7? And I sold my 1.7 to him. We put the 1.8 in, and I started in the back of the race. It was great. Yeah, the, uh, and meanwhile, uh, Tom comes back down to Chicago with his car, and we figured out there's one program that nobody had seemed to ever use since, like, 2009. Um, and we, so we, ch- we chipped his ECU, and we burned a new map. Um, we speed tested it uh, in the air on my lift. <laughs> Uh, when I went 130 miles an hour in my garage. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> and and, uh, and then we we threw my uh, he, it's just uh, we chipped it uh, and it seemed to run fine, uh, but I wanted to put a wide band in it and check the air fuels to make sure it wasn't going to explode it and ruin somebody else's race at uh, you know the long straightaways at Road America. Um, and so I. I was checking the air fuels in first gear in my neighborhood in the loudest damn race car you ever heard, and the cops pulled me over. <laughs> and so about five minutes before he's going to leave for Road America uh, again, um, the cops are talking to me in my in my driveway. But they they didn't impound it, and they didn't even give me a ticket. They uh, I guess there was some football game on that the guy wanted to go to, so he let us That's off. That's great. But, yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting week. And, and, then, and Tom had so, a wonderful time at the runoffs. He just really enjoyed yeah, I th- that. I think he got he got mid pack in his first runoffs, so yep. uh, he beat a lot of spec Miatas. So. Yep. 
Um, but yeah, Greg started that race from the back of the field. Yeah, something like thirty fourth or thirty fifth, I think it was. And I, th- I watched your video probably six months ago. Again, it popped up in some YouTube loop I was getting into. And uh, um, did you pass like twenty cars in the first lap or whatever? Uh, it was a lot of cars. I don't know how many cars I passed. I ended up seventh in that race. Seventh, baby. That's yeah. the place to be. Wow. Yeah, you either want to be first or seventh in the runoffs because <laughs> well, they tear down three, cars one through six. Three. You, yeah. you want to get on the podium so you get the chicks and all the money, or you want to be yeah, seventh <laughs> because they they pull yeah. they pull in the top, they impound the top six while the rest of us are drinking beer. Yeah. Now, that was a big thing from the showroom stock days back in the eighties and nineties. You never wanted to finish sixth. Because, first of all, you're going to be babysitting that car and impound all freaking weekend. And they're not even going to call you and they're not even going to touch you. It got to the point in the late 80s where they were tearing down Sherman stock cars so bad. If you were anywhere near 7th, you were fighting for 7th. If you were in 6th, you were slowing down. Let, let someone by. Well, there was one, there was one year that uh, there was one year that the guy in front of me was 6th and I was 7th. Last lap, rode Atlanta back straight. He started slowing down. And I said, oh, no, you don't. And I started slowing down. <laughs> then the guy behind me catches up to us, and he starts slowing down. And, you know, <laughs> so we're all lifting, and we're going down the back straight, fighting to get that middle position where somebody who was in ninth or whatever it was comes screaming by us. And then we all start fighting for seventh again. Hasn't <laughs> <laughs> uh, somebody, like, got, got podium or won the runoffs um after they left, because like the top six got that was until that was Spec Miata last year. Well, last year that's what seventh place got. Seventh place was the national champion. The Spec Miata last year. That's right. That's Some right. That was plunge, last year. Plunge cut in the head, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think. I think it's the first time that's ever happened. I mean, I think there was a fifth, maybe a sixth in the bad old days. Um, but it, you know, it's I can't really think. This was really was last year was pretty unprecedented. Yeah. The uh, now now another quick little story. The car that you sold that one point seven two. Didn't you drive that car? At I did. The runoff I did. So that deal that deal Tom. with Tom Lepper uh, worked its way, and that was a twenty thirteen runoff. So we did that. Uh, twenty fourteen was Laguna Seca, and I was not going to tow my car all the way to California. But Tom Lepper has you know several cars available to him, and I called Tom and I said, Tom, I want to rent your car for the Laguna Seca runoffs, and that's exactly what happened. So the, the, the engine that Blake Meredith, the one the B-17A one that Blake Meredith built for me for 2013, ended up in my 2014 runoffs car in a 93 GSR. <laughs> what did that motor make? That made like 170 or something? I never like fully tuned that thing. It was pushing about 170. Uh, we, we probably could have gotten into the mid-170s with it, but I, at that point I just realized I didn't want to pursue it any further. Blake, Blake thought we could get a lot more out of it. But um, knowing that I probably wasn't going to take it to Laguna Seca, I decided that uh, I just wanted to go back to my good old standby 1.8, which so many things have happened with engines that I've been trying and developing over the last years. I always come back to the good old GSR, and that's what's in it right now. Now, yeah, for, for a listener clarification, Greg and I both run in Super Touring Light, and like the class limits are mainly based around, we've said this before, but uh, the engine size determines your car's weight along with a few little uh, um, adjustments for front-wheel drive or rear-wheel drive. Um, and the big em- engine limits uh, for uh, non-direct injection cars, at least, is uh, 11 to 1 and 425 lift cams. 
Um, was that that 1.7? Was that 11 to one? And it was. Uh, yeah. What did you have in there? Just GSR cameras or what? That one was using the 99 Civic Si cams, which has a. It's, okay. a, it's got uh, the. The duration is pretty darn near that 425, but it has a lot bigger. Or the lift is about the same as that 425, but it's got more duration. Yeah. yeah. So that had, uh, a, I believe I'd done a, I did a combo. I think that was the 99 Civic SI intake and the GSR exhaust. Yeah, I think that's like the hot, uh, like the hottest OEM cam setup you can run. Yeah, but it's um, probably the easiest bolt-on you're going to get for any P-series engine, assuming yeah. that you have the, the limit we have. If you don't, then you go with Type yeah. R cams. Um, now. Uh, in April, you ran at the uh, the VIR majors yep. against uh, our our mutual buddy Mike Taylor, whose car I drove yep. the VIR 13 last year. And you, uh, that was the one where you had some cam, you had your custom cams break. I did. I had uh, I had some custom cams built by a guy in California. Uh, we still haven't really figured yep. out what happened, but I'm second qualifier. I'm going down the back straight, and the thing just falls on his face and starts making noise. I pull over. Uh, we drag it into the pits. Uh, I thought I thought I'd broken it. The uh, timing gear because I've done that before yeah it was fine belt was fine engine turned over you know we rotated the engine didn't hear any knocking of valves pulled the valve cover off I hit the starter my buddy yells oh stop what yeah. and you look down Oof. and the two lobes for for its stone number three had broken on both sides wow yeah so um, not a good situation no but. it's unfortunate <laughs> But I, I was I, I remember sitting in uh, now you guys fixed that car you went and bought a yeah. Craigslist B16 well, head right I pulled the head and we had bent valves no surprise so yeah. we go on Craigslist um, I'm trying to remember which which were the buddies of the, which which are the people in the paddock but everybody was on Craigslist and on forums turns out a guy yeah. you know next town over from uh, from VIR had a stock B16 head for sale with GSR cams and uh, that's that's as random as it gets with SuperTech. Valve springs and retainers. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's even better. <laughs> once again. And you you know, turned your best laps of the race on that. Well, yeah. Once again, the guy, I said, you know, hey, dude, I'll pay you an extra 50 bucks to drive it to the track. No, no, man. I, you know, this is Craigslist. I need you to, so I met him at a parking lot of a pilot truck stop yeah. with cash. Him and his wife showed up, and we swapped. I know and, that pilot, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And we, uh, and then we uh, swapped it out, and Mike, Mike and I put it in. Thing ran great. And uh, we finished, but then, but then, you know, it's just, yeah. this is just a failure for me. But then we had a problem. That was a with, bad. You had a bad end of that race. Uh, you almost had, burned the car down, correct? <laughs> damn near. Uh, I ran out of fuel. I don't know how you didn't. I don't know how I didn't either. But I ran out of fuel from a full tank, and there's yeah. just no way that should happen. And I coasted to a stop. I managed to coast down the pit lane into the paddock, and we turned the car back on. And as soon as the fuel pump came on, with the hood off. It's sort of geysering fuel out of the fuel injectors. <laughs> apparently, the O-rings didn't quite seat. I was using aftermarket injectors, and I was geysering fuel. And apparently, I'd been geysering fuel for several laps. Yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah nice, uh, nice place to put fuel right above the exhaust. Yeah. So, I've, uh, you know, why, yeah. why did the car not burn to the ground? I don't know. Somebody's look. Somebody is, is laughing at me, but they're looking down on me and saying, "Okay, we're going to protect you from your idiocy." I mean, that's a unique way to yeah. get rid of uh, unneeded weight, though, during the race, right? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> if it would have lasted, yeah, that would have been excellent. So now I'm back to my good old GSR head with good old GSR cams and good old GSR injectors. What uh, What did you – your best lap, I think I was watching on Race Monitor at your VIR, uh, the majors, because that was like the race I wanted to finish my mm -hmm. car for. Right. And I ended up taking another month because I didn't have the motor back from the machine shop until like four days before. But uh, – I think your best lap was like what a two, 
12 or I something could, like that? I honestly, I honestly don't know. I couldn't tell you. Um, the the Rotary Miatas or the K-Series guys got you at that race. but uh, K-Series, yeah, the K is a strong. In fact, maybe I'll go find myself a K to toss in that car for the runoffs. It wouldn't be the end of the world for uh, for Daytona if you're running at Daytona this year. That's uh, that would probably be the hot ticket. Oh, absolutely going to Daytona this year. I've never raced the track. It's in the. I find the runoffs is one of the best ways to go experience a new track. I love it. Yeah, I'm I'm very very tempted to take up your offer uh, a while back. You said that I could sleep on your hotel room floor, and so did Mike. And I might take one of you guys up on that thing. <laughs> we got space, man. Yeah. I really want to see the spec Miatas under the light. That's going to be great. Be really cool you know, I'm race. close enough. I'd love to drive down there and see that. Yeah, how far are you from Daytona in Atlanta? Uh, probably a good six hours or so. But uh, my That's parents live in Jacksonville, drive. and I work Savannah a lot for work. So, Oh, you could maybe even uh, roll this thing in for a work. Yeah. Trip. <laughs> Hopefully my boss isn't uh, listening to this. <laughs> and and it, uh, in case uh, anybody's listening and they're hearing a few little odd spots, um, with three people on Skype, there's definitely a little bit more delay and overlap once in a while. But uh, yeah, I think this is uh, this is our first guest via Skype. Uh, we're doing Skype for the conversations. We all record independently, but yeah, I think it's going pretty well so yeah. far. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm excited about the under the lights sprint race for the Spec Miatas, and then uh, the next day is the STL runoff uh, sprint race. Which, which brings uh, a very ethical problem that we're going to have. Is that let's just say, okay. for example, I do I, I qualify well for the runoffs. I'm racing Saturday yep. morning. Well, for that Miata race, we're planning on getting hammered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just a so, matter of how hammered you get. So, but. so, oh, what do I do? Do I do I throw down and not do well so I can get hammered, or do I do well and not get hammered? Oh. <laughs> how uh, how well have you have you have you ever driven with a with a wild hangover? Oh hell yes. Oh, uh, uh, how well do you drive with a hangover? I remember. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was there was one hyperfest with uh, AJ Neely, my good buddy AJ Neely, and uh, and Mark Carpenter. I believe Mark who's a national champion yeah, too. Yeah. I think Mark was still doing IT, and I and that hyperfest. That is a, that was such a great event at Summit Point. I never made it to the VIR, but oh man, the next morning we were just destroyed, and AJ was sleeping <laughs> in his trailer. And I got up and um, emptied my stomach, oh, and geez. we got ready to go, and AJ's still sleeping, so I kick him, I'm like, dude, you got like 10 minutes to the grid, and he just doesn't even move. Somehow he gets out, he gets in, throws down a pole, goes back into the pits, goes back into his trailer, and just crashes again. <laughs> and that that was my buddy AJ Neely. <laughs> now, uh... Greg sends me a text the other day saying that he had listened to some of our episodes and uh, like half of the stories we were telling, he was feeling a little like uh, Forrest Gumpy or something because like he was part of that story. Um, we were talking about TDI Cup stuff, uh, like second episode or something, and uh, you worked with AJ did, yeah. on his TDI Cup effort, mm-hmm. and and Tom had Tom kind of followed AJ around crewing and spectating and stuff. Oh, too. Tom was great when we were at Road America for TDI Cup. Tom slept in his Civic HF. He had taken the right seat yep. out and put a piece of plywood or something there. Yeah, his CRX HF, his beater with the Mad Brew sticker yeah. on the back bumper. <laughs> Um, on, on, on his way home from that race, um, we were working on uh, on our grassroots car, and Tom was going to stop by, and then he didn't. 
And then our buddies, um, or no, we weren't working on the grassroots car. Uh, it was, I got called by uh, my buddy that um, I co-owned that CRX with. Uh, uh, and it was the, it was 2008, I think. And so we knew Tom pretty well. Tom and I had driven to Florida uh, together. And uh, I got called by Luke, our, our other mutual buddy, who, I'm saying mutual way too much here. But uh, Luke's van had broken down, and they were, he had bought this van so they could, like, do road trips in it. It was some Chevy, you know, 150 or whatever conversion van. It was terrible. And I think they were on a bachelor party trip, but they weren't coming down to us, I don't think. But I, I brought him an alternator in Michigan, um, and I'm driving up uh, 94, heading towards Michigan. It's pitch black out. It's like 10 o'clock at night, and I'm bringing Luke an alternator for his crappy van, and I'm seeing this CRX um, and, I, and I'm thinking, holy shit, that's Tom, because it's got the Mad Bruce sticker on the back. He was coming back from that Road America oh. race, and I flash my brights and my F-250 at him, and Tom backs off and flicks me off, and I've never <laughs> seen Tom ever get angry. And, and I call him, and I said, you just flicked me off, you son of a bitch. And he said, that was you? And, I said, and, and like six months earlier, he had ridden with me in this truck all the way to Florida. But yet... Tom Lamb's got a naughty streak in him. If you flash your brights at him and honk the horn, he'll he'll flick you off. That was great. <laughs> well, Tom was Tom. We called Tom the AJ Neely stalker that year because he did everything he could to go to every event within reason for when AJ was yeah, right. He, the TV he drove VIR, I believe, didn't he? Oh, they're all a blur. But I remember, yeah. I remember thinking he's not. Been to, he said he's been to VIR, but he's never driven it. So it okay, could have been because yeah, I remember thinking it wasn't if Tom was going to show up, but when Tom was going to show up. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> was uh, was a lot of that coordinated through uh, the forum that shall not be named, the sandbox? No, I think Tom just uh, I think Tom just called us up and said, you know, where are you going to be, and you know, where do I meet you? And we, you know, of course, that was... of course, when AJ and I would share a hotel room, we, of course, Tom didn't have to sleep in the in the Civic, but uh, or the CRX was Civic or CRX yeah. was CRX. Yeah, it was a CRX. Yeah. yeah, he crashed that car in the in the winter yeah, I heard about that. Ago, and he mourned it. I've got the bumper support on my race car from that car. <laughs> so no, so Tom would just call up AJ and just you know verify AJ was going to be there and just you know I, you know just said we're you know come on let's go you're you're a Tom, fan. Tom is one of the coolest guys to hang out with at the track because because he'll just show up and he'll glad hand everybody in your in your pits and make a bunch of friends and then he'll just start working on your car and checking yeah. everything oh, yeah. and seeing what you need and every time that he I, came to road america or any any race that i was doing it was just fantastic how he would just he wouldn't even ask he would just jump in yeah he'll just check everything over like it was his own car and he, you know he doesn't get anybody's way and then he'll buy you lunch like half of the times he buys me lunch when we're racing together, uh, he feels like he owes me, I guess, for welding his cage in for free or something. <laughs> the uh, actually he did he left a bender at my shop, so I have a free bender from Tom for welding his cage in. But wait, that's all it takes to get my car cage? No, just to buy you we're lunch? Gonna, we're not going to tell anybody that. <laughs> like every time I'm at a racetrack, Tom buys me lunch. It's he, and I can never buy him anything. But what a what a good dude! I love Tom. Every time we're racing together, I sleep in his trailer because he's got a nice twenty four foot or twenty six foot enclosed, and I've got you know a flatbed trailer that we built ourselves or the back of a pickup. And then, but you're looking at it, you'd never be able to tell. That uh, thing is awesome. Ni- it's a pretty nice trailer. But my brother, yeah. my brother's a real good welder, and we had it powder coated. But uh, uh, Tom, <laughs> Tom and I blow up the air mattresses and. 
And it's always a bad idea because we talk like schoolgirls until like 2 a.m. and then we wake up like zombies <laughs> the next day. But, Got like pillow talk going on. Yeah, it, it's uh, <laughs> who do you like? <laughs> yeah, I love Tom. What a good dude. You, well, you get Tom he, and uh, Coney Lee together and it's just a hoot. Uh, Tom and I are sharing a garage at IT Fest this year. Um, nice. As long as everybody shows up. And then Lee and Sam Myers are sharing a garage next to us, I believe. Um, so it should be a really fun week. Well, I want to I tell, tell you my together. favorite Coney Lee story. Uh, when I met when I met uh, Lee, this is back when I was telling you Kirk Nestis and the ITB golf. We used to do endurances. There was one at VIR for the 13. Probably had to be around 2003, 2004, something like that. That's probably one of the first 13 hours. Oh, it was. I think this was back when you actually had to try to get into the VIR 13. There were tons of people. Yep. And, you know, and, and Kirk and I, we'd known each other. Well, actually, the whole team. It was Scott Giles drove with us. Uh, it was me and Kirk. And I'm trying to remember who the fourth was. I can't think. Maybe it was Evan Webb. And Wes, you know, was part of the crew. Coney, or Coney Lee Grimes was part of the crew. I think uh, even Tom Hoppy was part of the crew. It's just, it's just a group of people that came together as part of the forum that shall not be, ma- be named. But we didn't know each other. So we all converge on Danville, Virginia. And I was sharing a room with Lee Grimes. I, okay, I don't know who Lee Grimes is. Never met him. Don't know what he looks like. <laughs> but I'm driving down from Connecticut, so I arrive. It's a good 10, 11-hour drive for me, so I arrive at like 2 o'clock in the morning. And I don't even know if we had cell phones with text. We must have had cell phones with text in the other 2000, but I was assigned a room with Lee Grimes. So I go to this seedy little motel in Danville, Virginia, and it's 2 o'clock in the morning. It's dark, and I come in, and I park and I'm walking down the outside balcony, and I find the room, and I tap real lightly on the door. No response. All right, shit, what do I do? Okay, the lights are off. Tap a little harder. No response. Tap a little harder, and the door swings open, and there's this big old boy in tidy whities <laughs> looking at me <laughs> with an unhappy look. And I said, uh, and I said um, hi, are you Lee? And he gets this grin, and he goes and says, I can be. And the look on my face must have been precious because uh, he just broke up and lost it. And ever since then, Lee and I have been great friends. I I love Lee, man. uh, My first race was in IT Fest a few years ago, and I was sharing a garage with Lee because Lee just offered. You know, we had known each other from Lemons Racing because he gave us our Lemons car and hung out with us and stuff. And for a couple of years, and um, him and Tom kind of pushed me into the club racing thing, and I got my license. And my first race, I'm kind of rooming with Lee, um, and he goes out, and it was his first race in like ten years. He was because uh, he kind of took a, a hiatus, um, and uh, he had he'd been building this car forever, and he just got it back together finally. I think it's a F Prod CRX SI. It's beautiful wide body, all custom steel fenders and everything, beautifully done. Um, and he goes out uh, for practice. Everything's pretty good. He's feeling good. The motor's running well. And he comes in after his first race on Saturday night, and he said, it's just not feeling right. Um, and we jack it up quick. And I looked underneath, and the big spherical rear trailing arm bushing, you know, it, you know, the giant one on a Civic, if you look at the rear trailing arm, it's just like a three-inch pushing mm-hmm. yep. that has to flex in like three different directions and he had a polyurethane one in there but it was like 10 years old and it had never been used and they were it, they were it was gone 
it, it literally just disintegrated. There's chunks of red all over the uh, the arms behind it. Uh, and we scoured the paddock, and another sandboxer happened to have a set of them sitting there. But, uh, yeah, he, uh, he, he said the car felt really weird. I can't imagine how terrible it would feel. Uh, he had never driven the car, really, in the past 10 years, and he's got no rear, contr- rear trailing arm bushing. <laughs> and his tires are moving all over the place, but Lee just drove it around, and he was just happy to be there, man. There's... His 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 enthusiasm is uh, is rather high usually. Yeah, his cars that's what I love about club racing. You just go out yeah, there and you have you, a great old time. The 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 friends I've met with club racing have been pretty good ones so far. So I'm only a few years in. So the uh, yeah that I could I I didn't I couldn't believe it when that trailing arm bushing was just gone. The the poly, like the three inch bushing was completely gone. It was just hanging out there in space, but. That was the first I've seen like that where poly just disappears. So keep an eye on your old polyurethane bushing, everybody. Uh, the um, one thing uh, I saw discussed on uh, on Facebook today was uh, lubing your lug nuts. So, uh, uh, Greg, do you want to tell us if you lube your nuts at all? Or, uh... I, I do. I lube my nuts. I, uh, I use uh, I use ARP studs and I use just cheapo okay. Summit lug nuts. And uh, you know I, I use uh, any season. Nuts lubed. But I use I use cheapo cheapo Summit lug nuts because if they even think of cross threading, they go straight in the scrapper. I don't need. I, That's a good idea. I, and they, you know they're they're relatively cheap. I keep a bag of them in the trailer, and they do yep. if they even think about it they just get tossed they, they become beer what scrap kind of, what kind of lube do you lose using i just nuts? use anti <laughs> I, I love re, re, you know taking anti seize and rubbing it all over my nuts and, and you know it's oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and so the color is especially good so you can actually see it and it shows up well in photographs yeah, yeah you, you get those nice gray nuts from uh, the anti seize huh? mm. <laughs> yeah, there was a little bit of debate on the Track Midwest forum today about uh, how anti-seize might might change your torque specs and stuff. And it's like, well, I used it for 10 years before I just got sick of it getting all over my hands. Right. And it was fine. So um, I, I use a little bit of 10W30 nowadays, but uh, just because I'm sick of the, the anti-seize getting all over the place. If I bump it wrong, bump the studs wrong, yep. you know. But um, Yeah, if... Uh, yeah, so that puts that topic to rest with our podcast, at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no real conclusion drawn. Just uh... no, I, I personally don't think it actually matters a whole heck of a lot. But, um, as far as your car, Greg, what do you run uh, suspension on that thing? Like, uh, a Coney. I'm a I'm a Coney boy. I run... What kind, what type of Coney's do you have on that? Uh, the twenty eight twelve series, I think it is. Is it twenty eight hundred series? Fancy one. Oh yeah, that's yeah. that's definitely uh, UPS porn when that showed up at my house. That's a full <laughs> aluminum threaded body yep. coilover yep. Uh, derived from stuff. the Pro Series a few uh, like a while back, um, the Coney Challenge Series. That was kind of the the spec shock back then. Lee told me. Yeah, it's a really good. Um, I wish I knew what the hell to do with them, but yeah, they they, they look. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't seem like uh, doesn't seem like you're too far off the pace typically at most of these races. I, but, I don't right. think around too much. I can't. You know, coming from a showroom stock background, you know, back in the '80s, showroom stock was showroom stock. Stock suspension, stock brakes, stock stock brake pads, stock seats. You, you just learned to brake drive. Pads? Oh yeah, we had to re- really? we had to replace pads every session because I would just burn them up on that. <laughs> wow! Oh my goodness! <laughs> no, you had to run stock right. everything. And just coming from that background, I learned you know for the first third of my racing career just to drive around it to just do the get out of the car the best you can. I never really, yeah. I never really got into a, a situation where 
I had to develop something. So now that I have these, I do I do change them for macro um, things that I don't like. But for the most part, I just never I just never found the need to try to do the nth degree. I just go and I drive. And you know, somebody posted up some links. I guess somebody uploaded uh, runoff footage from like the '70s at Road Atlanta uh, on YouTube just this past spring. And watching some of the showroom stock cars from back then is just absolutely <laughs> hilarious. It was, it was, back then was a hoot. <laughs> it had to be borderline dangerous. Uh, no, nah, it wasn't that. You, you know, time, no, you I just uh, you just learn, you drive within the limits of the equipment. Well, I mean, before your time, like a roll cage was just like a roll bar. It was. It was a, it was a four <laughs> point, The original showroom stock was a four point roll bar, and it was optional. And OEM seat belts and seats and everything, huh? So back then you really could just drive your street car <laughs> to the track. <laughs> Be- yeah, because it was the same car you drove off the showroom lot last year. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's a different type of racing. Well, but all, I think all the rules over the years, though you know, the 70s cars were slow. I think car and driver was, was big in the showroom stock, and they were racing a Pinto. But, you know, a lot of people got hurt. Uh, the, it, the roll cage came from roofs collapsing. The uh, the driver's seat came from, I think, I was a bit out of whack back then, but in 1983, I believe it was, a good friend of mine from Texas was in a Mazda MX-3 and climbed the wall at Road Atlanta and landed on the roof, and the, and the cage basically collapsed, and his seat broke, and he, and he oh. became a paraplegic. So you had... That's, that's what, not a good way to end it. That's why you have mandatory seats, uh, the horizontal bar, in the middle of your cage, that was originally in there to attach your seatbelt to, and now it's a structural member to keep that plane um, intact. You know, this, yeah. the, the GCR, they do the same thing with federal aviation regulations. They say that these rules were all built on somebody's blood because somebody yeah, was somebody true. got hurt. Just, yeah, the uh, the the really old footage. If you look at it, it's even NASCAR. It's it's kind of scary if you look at old pictures of old NASCARs and stuff. There's not much to them safety wise. But nobody knew any better. From the fifties and sixties, and yep. You know what's strange is what are they going to say about us today, twenty years from now? Yeah, I do kind of wonder about that. We're, we weren't all running with airbags and everything. They were so stupid. You know? <laughs> wow, they actually were in the cars while they were racing them. How stupid was that? Yeah, it's so dumb. <laughs> they actually had to drive the cars themselves. Yeah. The, uh, what was the uh, the most unsafe car that you uh, that you raced? Your bolt-in uh, auto power bar GTI? Or? Well, you know, I, I rolled that car, landed on the roof from five feet off the ground, and didn't didn't hurt myself. Um, yeah, everything was fine. Well, except for my wallet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, the cars were lighter back then, so small padded bolt-in roll. It's not so much the bolt-in that's a big problem. It's it's the size of the pads that you know you try to put a bolt-in with a you know a bolt-in cage with a pad the size of your palm into a Mustang, and you put that yep. thing upside down, it's going to go right through the floor. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. There's that picture that everyone uses in their threads about bolt-in roll bars where that yeah. Mustang's flipped over and the, the poster yeah. through the floor. But that's not a, that's not a problem with the bolt-in. That's a problem with the size of the pad. Yeah, the the design of a lot of those uh, bolt-in stuff from even like 10 years ago, the auto power, stu- auto power stuff came with like a two-and-a-quarter by three-and-a-quarter pad. I mean, it's a pretty yeah. small footprint. And showroom um, stock days, you could only bolt-in the roll cage. You could not weld in a roll cage. Wow. Hmm. Interesting. The uh, yeah, it, 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 the rules really have changed a whole heck of a lot with regards to safety, even in the past you know fifteen years. 
but yeah, it's uh, it's interesting coming from you know the the rules book that I read nowadays. It's, uh, it just seems so different, uh, and it really has it, it changes every year still. But. Well, it does. I mean, Hans devices, head and neck restraints, those are relatively new. Yeah, that's only that was only adopted what in two thousand nine. I think. Well, NASA did it before SCCA did it. I think SCCA is only required it for two, maybe three years now. Yeah, I'm th- I think I might be thinking of NASA. The uh, when when everybody got mad that they kind of wrote the rules around the Hans device itself. Yeah, um, we know that'll that'll be a long drawn out discussion. Oh yeah, we're not going <laughs> to talk about that. <laughs> now, um, do you think that uh, as safety requirements have increased, that it's made? I guess club racing not as accessible to people. Oh, I, 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 the amount of money that one has to spend to even turn a wheel is incredible. Uh, well, it can be. It doesn't have. Well, to you be. think about it. Just to be able to go out there, you need a helmet, you need a head and neck restraint, you need a driver's suit. Yep. Uh, you can get away with regular shoes. You, you probably get away with regular gloves. Um, I mean, right there, you're talking. I just off the top of my head, a grand and a half of personal equipment that you need. Have mm-hmm. you searched eBay nowadays? Because <laughs> I bought all my stuff on eBay. <laughs> and how does it smell? Uh, it smells fine. Uh, not as good after I had the little uh, lemons race yeah. incident with the, the puke in my hand. Yeah, I was, uh, as I was sitting here binge listening to you guys while I'm taking my broken race car across New England this weekend, I was pretty much had my finger on my lips listening to that little part of your discussion. Oh, that was a great, that's my favorite story ever. I tell that like at every track event, somebody brings it up. <laughs> But I, I, I've, I've kind of bought my, I bought my suit, which is you know multi-layer Simpson, mm-hmm. my Hans, and everything. I bought that all, all off eBay, pretty much. And, and that's, um, a, and that's a great way to do it. Right size, so. But you know what uh, I've it's, seen? It is. It's hard to find, though. It's hard well, to it find is. the right size. And but, the right but what size. I've seen recently coming up are things such as that that makes it a bit more accessible. Bracket enduros that we're doing up here in the Northeast. Yeah, and we just had the first one. We did, and head and neck restraints are optional because we limit okay. the speed, wow. we limit the capabilities of the vehicles. Um, competition okay. racing experience, there's a club racing experience, CREs. Same yeah. thing. It's a, it's how, a lower. How, how does the bracket? Uh, how do the bracket rules work out? You don't. T- you don't technically need a race license. You have to have some experience. You know, I don't know the details of it, but we had guys there that had never uh, done anything except lemons, chump, or yeah. even uh, HPDEs. So yep. it makes it a lot more accessible to those guys, and that our and, our safety requirements on the vehicles are slightly looser. But again, yep. we we the GCR and the NASA CCR is it, it is CCR right? Yeah. Are yeah. Written to encompass every possible vehicle out there. But you get into a thing where you're willing to limit the ultimate performance and to some extent the weight of the vehicles. You have a lot more flexibility in what you can allow and disallow. And with the uh, with the brackets, um, uh, tell uh, tell everybody what that means. Uh, it's kind of a drive from the from the right. So it, it's, it is. It's exactly the same thing. You set there are yeah. different brackets that they set time uh, times yeah. lap times that you set, and you declare what what you want to race to. And your goal is to hit that bracket number every time. Boom, 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 and you miss it. You you get penalties. You go under. You okay. can catch up. And so there's what like five or something classes, and they, you're going after like the best possible version of your class. That's kind of what exactly. you're racing towards. Yeah. In fact, yeah. The, the the strategy I was trying to tell folks is to find out how fast your car goes and go down two brackets and just drive to that level. Yeah. And if you if you're really you into the speed, nice time. yeah, there's an open bracket, so you can just you can try to go for overall the fastest time yeah. available. 
Yeah, I think it's a really cool concept that I'm hoping kind of takes off nationally. Yeah. Um, the uh, they they haven't promoted it like track night in America, but I think it's got good uh, good legs to be kind of a chump car mm-hmm. humans um, uh, kind of uh, draw. Yeah. Uh, they they can take from that crowd. They can take from the straight club, club race crowd. Um, my brother is really interested in it uh, with our lemons race car um, because it's it's kind of ITC speeds, and uh, we're kind of sick of the clowning and the goofiness of lemons and but mainly the the a lot of the races they black flag when you didn't do anything because the corner workers are looking for everything there's a lot going on and uh we've you know we've but we've gotten probably a dozen black flags for the car next to us you know (laughs) um we're kind of a little bit more interested in the club race uh aspect but it's not really club race car you know so how long are the uh, the bracket races? We did uh, 22 hours, 11 hours over oh, wow. two days. Okay. And almost wow. everybody finished. That was at, uh, the first one was at Thompson, correct? Thompson, yeah. That was uh, in June. And you were a steward for that? I was, and I'm sitting here watching these guys going around having fun, wishing I was out there driving. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, if it wouldn't have been right around, was it around 4th of July? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on when it was. I'm thinking three it to was, four, weeks, three four weeks ago. No, it was the weekend after our big, our big, huge grid life event. That's why there was no way I was towing out to Thompson for yeah. that. <laughs> I just worked 60 hours in three days at grid life. But, well, uh, that, yeah. that's a good opportunity. Other, you mentioned track night in America. That's that's yeah. basically yeah. HPDE lapping at night, and we're selling yeah. those things out up here in the Northeast. I keep thinking I want to take. I can't believe they're doing so well. It's awesome. Yeah, I keep thinking I want to maybe take one of my streetcars out there, and they're full. So yeah. <laughs> and then finally, just if you decide that you really wanted to bring your Chump Le Mans car into club racing up here in the Northeast, we also have a class called ITEZ, which is yep. you meet IT safety specs. And there's no prep. You can just do whatever you want. Yep, that's that's a that's a very cool class too. I kind of wish that was uh, something that was around here. Around here, we've got ITE, which is usually the big, huge, yeah, crazy, we have, we have that too. That want to race with the SCCA, but exactly, we have that too. And there's no way that I'm going to take my little vintage Porsche 914 and race it against some guy with a turbo Porsche who wants to go out there. And I was just looking for a way to bring that up. You bought a 914 race car did. Somebody, about a year ago. I did last year. And it's a nine fourteen six. No, it's a four. Unfortunately, the sixes are okay. just crazy, okay. stupid money right now. Yeah, the nine fourteens are going up like like uh, you know that, that's not a bad investment. That's uh, you're you're going to do fine yeah. on that. Thing. Anything with a Porsche name yeah. for the most part is going yeah. up in value. Well, that, this was an X I T A car, which is now classified in B, but the guy popped the engine on it and um, wanted to see the car back on the on the track. So we're building an engine for it now. And I also have a street nine fourteen. <laughs> yeah, you've got a street nine fourteen also yeah. to play with. I, I can't afford 911s. They're too pricey. Uh, I, I, I really kind of love the way the 914 looks. The first time I looked at it, I thought, well, that's interesting. And the lines of it kind of grow on me more and more. Uh, what years were those things made, do you know? 1970 through 76, I think. And the, yeah, and the, and the it's sixes. got an early 70s feel to it. Oh, yeah, on early 70s yeah. colors, too. Yeah. <laughs> I think that the uh, I just you, want one with I want one with the box flares. You can get yeah, them. The, the well, you have to make them. Giant box flares look really cool on those. Yep. Yeah. You can make them. There's plenty of them out there. And if you're looking to get into a 914, now's the time to do it because I think people are realizing that 911s are are becoming unaffordable. So now they're going to the next rung down, which is the 914. If you find a 9146 in any kind of reasonable condition for anything less than 30 grand, 
Snack. Buy, Buy it. it. <laughs> yeah, they're going, they're yeah. going gangbusters. A four-cylinder, you can get a nice, clean four-cylinder for 10 or under, but a six, you just can't touch those things. Now, what uh, what are you going to do with your 914 uh, race car? Are you planning on racing vintage? Oh, yeah, that's that's kind of a long-term vintage project. Uh, you know, Limerick's yep. got their vintage. Pittsburgh's got their vintage festival, which happened last weekend. Uh, I think it was last weekend. And there, there's different places around that have vintage. It's some place when I decide that I no longer want to do... I hate to. I don't want to piss off any vintage guys, but serious competition. Yeah. <laughs> what uh, What are your What does your time frame look like? You think for uh, for racing SCCA? Is this your last car or no? Um, I haven't really given it much thought. Daytona is one of those uh, is one of those tracks that I've been wanting to drive for a while. So the runoffs was an excuse yeah. for that. Next year, mid Ohio, I've done a couple of IT fests, so we'll yeah. see. Hey, not quite sure what we're going to do for 2016, but the rumored track for the runoffs in 2017 has given me pause, and it hasn't been announced. Yeah, I, th- I thought it had actually been announced. No, it has not been announced, and since it is still a rumor, and your audience is a global one of millions, I'd prefer not to spread rumors. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll just I'll give them one clue: as they race a really big race there. Um, with those really fast cars with no fenders, and it's somewhere in the middle of the country, and it's a, yeah, I think it's if they have uh, the runoffs there, uh, that's that's really interesting. Um, uh, you know, it's kind of the most historic place you could. Well, I was <laughs> I was having a conversation while towing with a uh, with a friend of mine, and uh, I was thinking, you know, you know, maybe this is the last year for the majors. We'll start doing regionals. And then he mentioned the rumor, and I just went beep. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it it's pretty. I mean, there's no way that my little 1.5 STL car would do any kind of well there, but mm, doesn't matter, man. It wouldn't matter to yep. me. <laughs> wouldn't matter at all. <laughs> that uh, it's like the only time I'd ever race there. So, but right now it's Daytona, brother. So let's talk about getting you there, and uh, at least get you on our floor. You're one of the few people I know yeah, that I'm, I haven't slept with. So let's do it. I'm probably not going to drive my car there. <laughs> I got to do a lot of majors races in the next three months. Then, yep. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. If uh, uh, if you're still running them, I would love to see you at uh, Mid Ohio. That'd be a fun race, man. Um, I've I've watched vi- uh, Joe Mosier's videos um, several times of Mid Ohio of the old IT fest mm-hmm. and stuff when IT was huge, and uh, and I see the uh, I see your name on that NX uh, two thousand yep. or whatever yep. uh, right there in the mix with Joe and his dad and um, yeah I'd love to race Mid Ohio there with you. It'd be fun. Yeah, Joe, yeah, Joe, a, Joe the, the Mosers are king there. They know there's the king. That, they're in uh, Kevin Rock. Uh, they really know their he, stuff there. Joe did real well at uh, the Gingerman Majors, I think. I just saw qualifying that was just times. This weekend, but, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was just this weekend. Uh, qualifying times, he was in the 139s, I believe, just in his first qualifying lap. I didn't even look and see wh- what the actual finish was. He's racing an EP prelude, yeah. I believe. Um, really fast. You're doing car. 139s? God. Uh, that was in qualifying. I, I guarantee he went a 137. In the, <laughs> last year, on the old track, he, ran, he went 139s. Wow. Um, Joe's good there. I guarantee you got a 137 out of it. You know, I, I beat Joe at the arc at the arc at Road Atlanta, but honestly, I was not in the mix with Joe in Mid Ohio. He is he is he rules there. That's a hard place to. to it's really a hard place to pass a lot at. Um, well, you got to get close to him to pass him. But, yeah, <laughs> it's not the easiest thing in the world. <laughs> But the uh, that's it's it's like my favorite place to to drive at. 
even if I'm racing poorly, it's a fun place to drive at. I really like Mid Ohio. I'm re- I'm I'm looking forward to the the runoffs there big time. But that's uh, if I can get there. That's uh, that's kind of my. It's half of the reason I went with STL uh, with the build for my car. Not if when. Just do it. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. But the uh, the one point five has been a fun thing to develop. What uh, what have you have? What do you have in your trans of your uh, STL car that you've got an OS kick and diff, right? It's a Type R with uh, four point seven final drive in the OS Geiken differential. Yep. The uh, the car is pretty. Your car is pretty simple. I mean, uh, you can build a really fast race car with a few good parts and a lot of stock stuff. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, the uh, you've you've gotten you've gotten top tens at a bunch of runoffs and you do well at majors and I mean these this is as fast as uh, as you can run an Integra pretty much I think you'd, so you'd run circles around half of our uh, half of our fast guys in our time attack it's it's <laughs> a basic car and it really kind of proves that's what I like about the classes you can still run pretty fast because you get some some limitations but you get some open areas. Uh, uh, as far as the rules go, you can play with the car a lot. You can uh, you can go real fast with a basic car. So. Now, if someone wanted to build an ITA or STL car, what do you think the best platforms are? Miata. Miata? Oh, yeah. Answer's yeah. always Miata, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> the answer's always Miata. That is such... Yeah. You know, I, I've got my own reputation with Miatas. In fact, I got, I got the T-shirt. Uh, yeah, somebody made him a T-shirt uh, <laughs> that says, uh, uh, you know, a swear word, and then Miata's. <laughs> but it, he's not always the biggest fan when he's racing against them. But they are such good cars. I had, well, my girlfriend at the time had one of the very first Miatas to come into the country in 1989, and they're just so good. They're a great platform to start with. They're easy to work on. They're well supported. But you know, I'm the, I'm the anti-Miata, so I, I try to do something different. The uh, you had a spec Miata for a while, right? Uh, two of them, in fact. I I built oh, one. Yeah. I built one in two thousand four because the NX two thousand at the time was an ITS against BMWs, not the ITA. Hmm. So I built a spec Miata. But then in two thousand, I think it was later that year, they decided to move the car, the Nissan, down to ITA. So I sold the I sold the spec Miata and went with the ITA NX two thousand. And then I started to build another one. And then said, "Are you high?" And I sold it. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of an arms race nowadays. Yeah, that was back. I guess you were racing when it wasn't as well. I don't want to say it wasn't as competitive, but people weren't dropping forty and fifty thousand dollars on bills. No, oh no, 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 no. When I started building that, when the the then ITA NX two thousand, I knew that I had one, maybe two years to do well with that car before yeah, somebody before really started throwing down money on an ITA Miata. So after the 2006 year when I won the ARC, I sold the car and, and walked away from it. And uh, people, the ITA is a great platform, or the Miata is a great platform for ITA. And Spec Miata, everybody's going for the nth degree now. There's 60,000 plus builds out there. A lot of that is fluff, yeah. gauges, electronics, and paint and things like that. But um, Yeah, beautiful everything and pro-built this and that. Yeah. And- uh, the uh, I mean the difference in a in a crazy pro built motor versus a really good junkyard motor is only what like ten horsepower so one plunge cut maybe <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah the, oh, for for a quick uh, uh, people are going to wonder what you're talking about some of them um, the spec Miatas at the last runoffs uh, how many cars did they, uh, somebody protested after the finish yep protested um, the top ten cars yeah and they tore down 
heavily. Uh, did they tear down the top ten or the top eight? I don't recall the details. I think the guy who did the protesting might have come in at the top ten, and they only did nine. Uh, but they yeah. started. They pulled engines down. They pulled the heads off. They pulled valves out. They pulled everything apart. And, and inspect me out of. You're not allowed to port the heads. You're not allowed to do a lot. I mean, these are largely stock motors. Sometimes you know, with a little bit better of a, a bore. Uh, everything is kind of like the perfect factory motor. Basically. Tearing apart twelve motors, weighing all the rods, weighing all the pistons. <laughs> yeah, it's, finding uh, the best match. I don't know the minutia of the builds, and they're different uh, via generations. I think they run restrictors on some of the newer mm-hmm. motors than they do. Yeah. And, but uh, yeah, the uh, they were they were mimicking. Well, I really don't know all the details on it, but they were basically doing uh, a better version of the factory plunge cut, which is because of the way the castings shifted shift in the head. They call it core right. shift, which which was allowed because yeah. the cores that. That were during the casting process, the cores that make up those intake ports that they that they pour yep. the aluminum around, they weren't in consistent locations. So they were allowed to do plunge cuts. But as I understand it, there were some guys doing some things that were to the yeah, letter, to the letter they, of the regs, but weren't to the yeah. spirit of the regs. But what really got them was the short turn radius. They were knocking down edges inside the, yep. the inner diameter of the ports as they were going in basically porting the head just a tiny bit um and now they've defined all the radiuses and everything that you're allowed to do. it's i mean it was a mess nasa was involved in the rewrite of the rules mazda was um because nasa and scca have kind of a a very similar class there with spec Miata with both um but it was quite a it was quite a mess i think they um uh, jim wheeler the club racing uh chairman the crb chairman i think he said he got 250 emails like, in the span of a week or something let, letters written into the system oh and there was a huge thread um, on mazda racers and oh it was it was, it was ridiculous quite quite a debacle but uh, hopefully class will be better for it in the future but yeah not nowadays you really gotta uh, you you can't screw around if you're racing spec miata i know the 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 first uh especially on a national first level majors races yeah they were tearing them down they were tearing down the top six at like the first uh, majors races this year to make sure everybody was compliant but um and by tearing down i mean yanking the heads off and uh just i mean making sure that the class is is what it's supposed to be and with a class like that, if you get cheating, you know, or if you get uh, the impression of cheating, if you if the winner is is assumed to be a cheater, you're going to lose participants. You're going to lose the spirit of the class, which is that's kind of always the the big. That's one of the problems that the rules makers have to look for is how to keep the class healthy, and he- healthy means that the the guy that got twentieth place feels like he deserved it and not got cheated out of it. So. Amen. Uh, yeah, there, there's there's a lot to think about when you're on one of these stupid rules committees that for some reason <laughs> we decided to join. <laughs> but yeah, it uh, joining the SCCA has been kind of a uh, an, an eye-opening experience as far as how serious some of these guys take this this racing. <laughs> but the, it, it's it's been fun. I'm looking forward to my next race. Hopefully that'll be IT Fest. So, but. Anyway, um, we're going on uh, a little over an hour here. Anybody else uh, want to talk about um, any particular topics, or do we want to have Greg on again to tell us more stories about Lee Grimes and his underwear? <laughs> Definitely need to have Greg back, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think he's got a few more uh, 
He's got a few more in the in the in the holster there, <laughs> as far as stories go. But um, yeah, what do we have coming up? We have uh, hot to meet this weekend. Yeah, we've got. Uh, hopefully, Austin and I will be recording a whole lot of podcasts, and we can maybe take a week off and slowly release a bunch of them. But uh, we've got Brian. Uh, I talked to Brian Gillespie from uh, Hasport. He's coming up there. Him and Jamie Lugo and some other buddies are driving up from Phoenix right yeah, now. Yeah, they got that that big rollback. Yeah, I got like a CRX race car, Jamie's purple new Civic race car, and then something else back there. I think it looks like a four-wheel drive toy of some sort. Yeah, I think sort. you said like four CRXs will fit on that thing. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a rig. But uh, Brian's going to come on the podcast. Uh, we got uh, you know all the all of our idiot buddies listening right now. Um, if if we can set this thing up correctly, we should have some speakers there and uh, be able to do a little bit of a live show too. So I think I think. It, Depending on how much we've drank, it might be a little bit of a party. <laughs> we'll see how the auto, audio quality gets to be. Come drink beer and talk to us if you're at Honda Meet. What, uh, what day are you getting up there, Austin? Uh, not really sure yet. Looking like Thursday, probably. Okay. Okay. You might even beat me there. I might not be there till early Friday well, I'm going to get my prime so. camping spot, man. Yeah. If, uh, if, you, if you can, save me, uh, save me a, a place on somebody's trailer or whatever. <laughs> All right. Uh, um. Yeah, it, it uh, it'll be quite a weekend. We got a lot of cars coming out. They, this is our event, uh, Greg. That uh, that we we've been renting. A buddy and I, a buddy of mine, has been renting Gingerman Raceway for ten years now, and uh, it, it sells out faster and faster every year. This is kind of a track day and drivers drivers training kind of thing, and we've we've developed quite a following. I think it sold out in nine hours <coughs> this year. So it's, 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 and we usually get about a thousand spectators coming through over the it's weekend. Quite ridiculous. To a thousand. The first one I went to was, uh, I think two weeks after I moved to Chicago and met all my track buddies and the rest is history. So it's yeah, a special it's place a in my heart. Dudes, so. Um, I, I'm kind of, oh, I'm, I'm forever tied to the track day kind of thing as much as I want to scream and run away sometimes because all I do is stand on the radios and work and tech all the cars and run the event nowadays, but um, I'm kind of forever tied to the Chicago and Michigan track scene because we've been doing these things, and now we do more and more every year. Very cool. But, uh, yeah, it kind of limits the racing time to spring and fall, but uh, I'm going to get a summer one in here this uh, this August. So Anyway, well, I appreciate you coming on the uh, the show, Greg. Oh. Hopefully the audio uh, works out well. You still recording? There? I am. Awesome, awesome. Maybe, uh, maybe we can actually compile this thing. So, well, thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate. I can't call you gentlemen, right? Without offending. No, no. Okay. no. Right. <laughs> that's, that's silly. Well, thank you, guys. I, I really, I really enjoyed this. Yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll have you on sometime soon. We'll have a bunch of. Uh, if we figure out this guest thing, if this works out pretty well, technical wise, uh, yeah, this is. It seems like a good way to do it. We're all, you know, uh, ten hours apart from each other in a big triangle mm-hmm. here, but it's working out okay. Yeah, you, you um, could you, yeah, you could you could call us the uh, get off my lawn segment. <laughs> yeah, with, uh, with with get off my lawn with the Greg Amy. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody calls him Greg Amy that hasn't met him, and uh, I got corrected the first time. It's a me. You know what? Though people remember Amy, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's where, it's where I am on yeah. Facebook, YouTube, all the crash videos. Yeah, he's got a lot of cool videos. If you want to check out his YouTube. Uh, um, even his, I watched uh, the other day. I was drinking coffee, and I and I watched uh, your your Watkins Glen race, um, and just that last few seconds, I, that wasn't good. <laughs> you you and Wheeler were running a pretty good yeah. race there for a while. Yeah, I think and your parents should have named you Mario, Greg. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's a me, Mario. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, they, 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 he he would have been throwing bananas out of the car like Mario, <laughs> and uh, maybe he would have got that Firebird that got him at Watkins Clan. But, um, well, Austin, I'll see you in a few days. All buddy. right. Yeah, and for the yeah. listeners out there, uh, we appreciate you listening. Just quick plug: uh, we were the number one rated. New and noteworthy podcast, and we couldn't have done that without you guys. So yeah, I don't know how. That yeah, happened. I have no idea. <laughs> we didn't. We really didn't have anything to do with that. <laughs> but if you guys would uh, tell your friends, um, trying to make this as big as we can. So if you like it, let your friends know. Uh, yeah, if you get this off of iTunes, leave a uh, comment. And a lot of them have revolved around my dulcet tones <laughs> and and how. Uh, uh, you know, I know I know I don't have a face for radio. I don't have much of a voice for one either. But you can feel free to make fun the of it. The best was when uh, someone called it the Seinfeld of the automotive podcast world. That, that was our <laughs> that was our friend Christian Ship, um, who I have I have slept with at VIR, and uh, I'm he, jealous. He can say whatever he wants. <laughs> <laughs> he's got luscious hair, that Christian. But He's pretty. The, uh, yeah, yeah, he's a gorgeous man. I'll tell you what. Well, check us out on Facebook, uh, facebook.com backslash show, And you can also contact us by email, austin at com and adam at com. So, yeah, I, we appreciate it, Greg. Thank you. And uh, we'll have you back uh, uh, whenever you're uh, whenever you're available. Maybe you can chime in when uh, when we get Lee on uh, oh, yeah. soon. Oh, uh, we could uh, have four people on. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll bring the beer next time. <laughs> yeah, bring the, uh, bring the pictures that I'm sure you took, too. <laughs> All right, let's hit pause here, buddies, and I will see you soon. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a good night, everybody. Our new intro music is from the band Elephant, based out of Knoxville, Tennessee. For more on them, visit elephantmusic.bandcamp.com, and that's Elephant, H-E-L-L-A-P-H-A-N-T.